one more time, and it's Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. When your sink is in trouble, you can call us on the double. I'm Matsy. And I'm Micah. Did you see that? I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> the uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show theme song recreation. Recreation? I understand there's like an ad for the Mario movie. Yeah, that was that was going to be the first thing in my news. Oh, uh. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, I'll just push that a little ahead. further ahead. Um, so this uh, this show here, Animation Celery, we give each other cartoons to watch, and then we review and discuss them. And this week, we have an interesting theme. It's one I call, well, I like it. Basically, we're looking at cartoons that may have been forgotten or just generally disliked, but you know. I like it. At least one of us does. Hmm. Um, so I'm going to look at an old Disney show called The Wuzzles. And Matsy is going to look at an obscure fable adaptation called Monkey Magic. But, you know, first we have our hodgepodge. Maybe some Mario stuff. What's up, Matsy? Yeah, um, this is important, man. So you haven't seen it? I haven't seen it. No, I've, I've heard... I've heard a clip of Charlie Day doing his Luigi, which was funny. Okay, I just put a link in Discord. I want to get your, like, right. <laughs> live reaction to this thing, because it blew my mind. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. I yeah. I like that their uh, little image has very box art accurate Mario and Luigi. Yeah. Um... It was um, like when I saw. OK, so they announced the voice cast for the Super Mario Brothers movie yeah. and it was like, oh, Spike, the computer controlled villain from Wrecking Crew is in there. That's interesting. Mm. And then in the movie trailer, it's got, you know, they're riding around on go karts on Rainbow Road and mm. it's got Mario and Donkey Kong fighting on a narrow platform, which I didn't notice at the time. But people have since informed me is Smash Brothers. Mm hmm. And so it's like, wow, they're drawing all kinds of things from all kinds of Mario canon. Are they going to play tennis and, at some point? Well, yeah, I was wondering about that golf. And then I saw this commercial and I was like it. So for those of you who hadn't seen it, it's a commercial for Super Mario Brothers plumbing. To the tune of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show theme song. Mm. I couldn't believe that they pulled that out. Like. Nothing is off limits for this movie. Hey, I'm Saban and Shuki Levy got some monies. Yeah, I am. Now I'm really, really hoping that, you know, this movie will obviously be successful. And so they'll obviously make a sequel. Mm. And I'm hoping that it's literally Super Mario Brothers 2. <laughs> like but they go to Subcon. The, they go to Subcon and mm. they got to fight off Wart. Because, man, they haven't done anything with that since, like, there's, like, a power-up in Super Mario Maker 2 that kind of works. And, like, there's, you know, well, I, Shy Guys and certain other Bob things Bombs that become... probably the biggest yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, bombs Yeah. Well, I would say Shy Guys, bombs and Birdo. Yeah, um, uh, Ninjis. Mm. To some extent. There's some yeah. of those. Um, but, yeah, there's very little of Super Mario Brothers 2 that has been acknowledged in the modern day. Well, and I just like, come on, go for it. This is the time. Yeah, it's weird is thinking about what Mario canon is, because Mario 2 is a dream, which yeah. I guess is sort of real. I don't know. 
And Mario 3 is kind of a stage play, and then a lot of the Paper <laughs> Marios are stage plays. Yeah. So, like, what is real in this game? Yeah, I think I, I think um, Shigeru Miyamoto once said that he kind of pictures it like Popeye, yeah. where, you know, sometimes the characters are, you know, Alibaba huh. and th- things like that. You know, it's just, oh, that's kind of, I guess, kind of like the, I guess it's, I was going to say like the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, but I guess it's really more like Alf Tales. <laughs> I think, I think everything to him is Popeye in some respect. <laughs> <laughs> it's like his formative thing is Popeye. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what else? Um, uh, real briefly, I had, I, so I've kind of had Avatar on the brain, but for once this is unrelated. Okay. I... Well, mostly unrelated. I had to look up for reasons I will explain later uh, when Avatar The Last Airbender aired. Yeah. And so I just typed in Google, you know, Avatar The Last and then went to the Wikipedia article. And I kind of glanced at the top where it has the disambiguation banner where Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, if you meant whatever, click this. Yeah. And I just kind of glanced at like, yeah, you're going to mention that movie, aren't you? And then I looked up and it said like, for Avatar, the last Ben Airbender live action TV series, click here. Mm. And I went, what? Mm. Uh, yeah, apparently Netflix is making a live action last Airbender now. Yeah. Uh, I, I probably just file this under all the Death Note live action and all the other stuff they've done. I'm this will be the third time they've attempted to retell this story. Hmm. And I'm thinking this universe has a built in continuation. Yeah. Like the avatar continue. Like every time one avatar is done, another avatar pops up. You don't need to keep retelling these, the story of these same two avatars over and over. Yeah. I mean, there are dozens of them at least. You can go into the past, like there's 10,000 years of Avatar history. Mm. And I mean, let's say an Avatar, I mean, Aang, I believe, died um, at something like somewhere in his 80s, if I remember correctly, like Mm. 82 or so. And like, why you could go forward, show us the earthbending Avatar that comes after Korra Mm -hmm. or go back like. It's 10,000 years. Each one lives maybe like 90 years. So that's like, how many avatars is that? Like a right. uh, hundred? I think it's better uh, for the fans too, that already are fans of this to give them something new to watch. Because if they already yeah. don't like it, they're not going to watch it. But yeah. if it's like new stuff, they might still watch it, even if they kind of dislike it a little bit. Yeah. Like the one thing that I'm thinking is, so... Legend of Korra, I said, was tech- technologically speaking, it's kind of it looks like it's around the 30s or 40s, right? Sure. Like radio is dominant. Mm. Um, during the course of the series, they invent movies mm-hmm. or movers, as it will be. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking I'm doing the math here and I'm thinking if Korra is at most 20 in that series. Well, actually, she ages three years at one point, doesn't she? So it's probably, so, yeah, she's, so it's probably reasonable to assume she's like 20. Sure. So okay. if she dies at, let's say 90, then that's probably the equivalent of like 2010. 
Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, do they want to tell the story of Avatar in the absolute modern day? Like, literally one-to-one now. Is that interesting? Hmm. I don't know. it wouldn't be one-to-one now. Because even when you're thinking, like, oh, it's the 30s. Yeah, but, like, the cars kind of look like palanquins, you know, and... Yeah, every, true. Everything's a little bit askew. A little bit, yeah. But, I mean, you can still see, you know, technology has advanced that far. Like, yeah. you know, do they all have smartphones? Is hmm. there a Twitter analog? Um, so, yeah, I kind of wonder if that's would be interesting. But, like I said, there's thousands of years of Avatar history that you can go back through. You don't yeah. you don't need to keep remaking these stories. Sure. Sure, sure. I don't know. I'll check it out, I guess. I still want to watch that movie sometime just to see how bad it is. Oh. Have you seen that? Um, I'm not altogether sure if I've seen all of it. Hmm. Okay. But I know I've seen parts of it at the very least. I may have watched it all. I don't know. It mm. That movie's got a problem that it... Okay. For all that people will say that it doesn't adhere to the source material, in some ways it adheres too closely... Hmm. So, like, it, some parts of it are shot-for-shot shot remakes <laughs> that just don't work as well in live action. Right. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah, yeah, it's kind of like they made changes that satisfied nobody and at the same time uh, adhered too closely and, you know, uh, yeah. couldn't match the benefits that animation can give you. Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> There's some really anyway. pathetic earthbending in there. Holy cow. <laughs> Just like do my little dance and then hurl this little rock at you. Yeah. <laughs> it's some pretty sad first level spell stuff. Sheesh. Mm. Okay. So there's that. There's some more Avatar. Um, but things that are on Netflix now mm-hmm. include Samurai Rabbit, the Usagi Chronicles mm-hmm. second season. And mm-hmm. I said I was going to watch some of that. Yeah, and I watched part of the first episode. Uh-oh. So it kind of reminded me how much I didn't like Usagi in the first season. All right. Now, this is not this is not Miyamoto Usagi. It's his ancestor, because this is in like in future times. This is Neo Edo, mm. and it's a descendant of... Uh, Miyamoto Usagi. Sure. Who's trying to be a samurai. And so the first season was kind of his arc of thinking that he's greater than he was and then needing to become actually competent so he could be a ghostbuster and fight these yokai Mm -hmm. with his friends, Genosuke, Kitsune, and Chizu. And it comes to a climax where they do the thing and... Mm. So now the second season starts, you know, Usagi kind of got some humility. He kind of, he realized that he had things to learn, but in the end he triumphed. Well, now everybody in Neo Edo is treating him like a hero. And so his head is all swollen again. And so mm. he's reset back to unlikability. And I, I watched this first one. And so in, in the first season, he got a special weapon. I can't remember what it was called. It, yeah. it has a name, like a kunai weapon or something like that. Mm. I mean, it wouldn't be kunai weapon because, but it's a yo-yo. So he's got his, mm. he's got a sword 
it's not grass cutter, but it's a sword. Yeah. And he also has this yo-yo, which has the ability to ghost bust yokai. Okay. So in the first episode of this, for no apparent reason, the keystone that gave Usagi his special weapon just abruptly decides that the other three in the team also get weapons. Mm. So um, Kitsune gets some fans and Genosuke gets a couple of big war clubs and Chizu gets a bow and arrow. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, so they're already setting up that this is a team where they're all equivalently special. Mm-hmm. Also, Usagi is back to unlikability and his in- unlikability is amplified because he's decided that he's good enough now that he's going to be everybody else's sensei and he's going to go into training them on how to use their cool, cool weapons. And in the background of all of this is my memory of, I think it was the after credit scene in the finale of season one that really disheartened me. Okay. And so between all of this, like the unlikability, the direction I'm afraid it's going, how they've kind of decided that this team is going to be all equal members instead of all learning different things and trusting each other or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. I've decided this really does not look interesting. Oof. Okay. And I just gave up partway through the first episode. Hmm. Um, Cause it also doesn't look great. It's, it, it's, I don't know. I like Usagi Yojimbo a lot, but maybe what I want is Usagi Yojimbo, not right. Samurai Rabbit. There was um, an associate of mine a little while ago. He's, he's teaching, uh, comic making classes. Oh. Uh, so you wanted examples of comics that make good one shots. And okay. it took me a while to think, uh, you know what? Usagi Ojimbo is just full of good one shots. It's mostly hmm. one shots, as I recall. Kinda. Yeah. It's like story. Like it's not one. I mean, it is one ongoing saga, but it's divided into. Yeah, but usually chapters. Yeah. Well, usually it's just like one issue. He goes to a shack, encounters a mercenary or something or ghost, and it's one and done for most of them. So, yeah, it's a rare example. I think it's hard. Actually, hard to think of them as uh, 20, like 20 to 30 page comics. They're just self-contained stories. Uh, I mean, they exist like uh, mouse. um, Hmm. uh, What was that? Um, 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 Persepolis. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, hmm. you could make an argument about Watchmen. Really? Okay. Because that's, well, I mean, it's it's a long story, but it is a finite story. No, but he was asking specifically for uh, things that were digestible, like, you know, between classes. So, oh, yeah. Oh, so, oh, oh, like, okay. like I said, okay. about 20 to 30 pages, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah. Kind of a weird week of highs and lows of, oh, that Super Mario Brothers commercial. By the way, the that website, there's a link at the mm-hmm. at the end of that commercial, smbplumbing.com. That's a real website. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because it says that they're, they're striking out on their own because they got tired of dealing with spiky bosses. Hey, and it's like, yeah, because it's, it's like it works three ways. Like one, just annoying bosses. Two... I guess their boss was Spike. 
And three, oh, you don't like spiky bosses. Just wait till you see what happens when you get to the Mushroom Kingdom. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, all kinds of levels. Eh, it's cute. Yeah, um, every, and it has every, everything I've seen from that movie makes it look pretty good, actually. Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did I do anything else this week? I read more of the Avatar book, but I won't go into that. Um, let's just skip ahead to you. What do you what do you want to do? Oh, it's what you've been waiting for. I ah. finished reading TikTok of Oz. Ah, okay, yes. So, okay, this story... Tell me about those hot TikToks. <laughs> um, this story centers around the Shaggy Man. Um, <laughs> he's a, like, a homeless drifter who uh, came to Oz one day. Um, right. And it's kind of weird. He's uh, He's got almost as much focus as Dorothy. He almost goes on as many adventures as she does. Hmm. Um, I do like that when he gets, when he becomes an honored citizen of the Emerald city, that he's just like high fashion shaggy. Now <laughs> all his <laughs> clothes are like, are, uh, ragged in a stylish way. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. anyway, he's on a quest to save his brother from the gnome King, the gnome King's back Yeah. along the way. He meets Betsy Bobbin, a farm girl who uh, got in a shipwreck and washed ashore or up, washed up in the periphery of Oz mm-hmm. with her, uh, with her mule as well. <laughs> now, I was going to, I was wondering if there would be an, an animal, animal companion there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now Betsy Bobbin, um, she is basically just a stand in for Dorothy. Yeah. Um, I, I do like the way she looks, but it's close enough to Dorothy that she could be like Dorothy's seventh video game costume. <laughs> um, and she even talks like Dorothy too. So anyway, um, this book actually starts with, uh, with promise. It starts in a kingdom called Oogaboo, which yeah. is like, yeah, there, there's lots of small communities in Oz that are a little secluded. Um, I- I'm just really worried about the time that this book was made and the potential racism implied by that name. Oh, well, they're all drawn like white folks, so I don't know. Okay, okay, Um, I'll let it slide. uh, So yeah, the queen and so forth, um, she is just fed up with her life. So she decides, you know what? I'm going to conquer the world, starting with Oz. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did did I hear, did, did you say the queen... And so forth, or the queen whose name is Anne so forth. Her name is Anne so forth. Yes, that's good. Is it? <laughs> okay, yeah. so she she starts. Your kingdom is small. It's only like ninety nine people, and there's only I think thirty eight men in it. Okay, so she just starts going through going through the men and saying, "Hey, you're in my army." Um, <laughs> but the 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 okay, each of these men is a uh, uh, keeps an orchard of magic trees that grow things, you know, like right. ice cream cones and stuff. Right. All right. Sure. And they're all named after those things. Anyway, the first guy, she's got to sweeten the pot and she makes him a general, but right. she has to do that with the second, third and fourth guy. And <laughs> then the fifth one is reasonable. And he says, you know what? That's probably too many generals for an army. So I'll just be a major. <laughs> so she runs through 16 of them and she's got four generals, four majors, four lieutenants, four captains. Um, and uh, the last guy argues himself down like, you know, you need somebody to fight, so I'll be a private. <laughs> um, 
this guy's name is is uh, Files because he raises trees that grow books. I thought it was cute that uh, mm. if you pick a book too early, it's green and <laughs> it's full of bad grammar, bad spelling and bad story. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's kind of a psychopath at first. You know, he's he's really looking forward to earning his manhood by conquering other people and plundering their stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, so, yeah, that that started with some promise. And I thought, well, there's kind of two prongs here. There's and so forth's army. And then there's uh, uh, the Gnome King. Mm, um, mm. Uh, so actually, the deal is that the Shaggy Man has a magic item. And if you know anything about Oz magic items, they're overpowered. He's got yeah, the and I believe he prefers yeah. to be called the Norville man now. Okay, I yeah, I was going to make that too. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, he's got the love magnet. Um <laughs> this little horseshoe magnet that anyone who sees it uh is loving and beloved. Oh. Yeah, so basically when he encounters the army, they persuade them um, well, if you're going to conquer the world, why don't you start with the Gnome Kingdom? So they join forces. Hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, this book is called TikTok of Oz. And oh, yeah. TikTok is at least in the book. That's Good. the that's the wind up mechanical man. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the one man army of Oz. Um, but as is the case for a lot of these books, even though it's titled after him. OK, by comparison, he, he appears in uh, Ozma of Oz. And Dorothy first finds him and he's interesting because she's like reading a manual about uh, the different different functions that she has to wind up on him. Mm -hmm. and, and when she does activate him, he protects her from the wheelers. Many people will know them from the Return to Oz movies, those horrific guys that uh, move around on wheeled feet. Yeah. Wheeled feet and hands. Um, anyway, he just batters them all and makes them all beg for mercy. That's a pretty good start for TikTok. Yeah. In this book, he basically doesn't do anything but fall over a lot. <clears throat> fall over and need to be righted up like a, a tortoise struggling on his back. Sheesh. So why'd they call this? I mean, there's plenty of illustrations of them, I guess. But yeah. Um, Maybe it's uh, just a thing where like each book is named after a character who was important in the previous book. <laughs> yeah. The next one will be the Shaggy Man of Oz. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Um, so none of these books have good continuity, <laughs> but this one especially hurts because a lot of the bad continuity in Oz books is just like, it's weird to say this, but, uh, it's bad continuity about the rules of the setting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just can't remember things about it, whatever, right? You know, uh, mm -hmm. the, the Emerald city is, is people just wear green shades. Well, now it's actually got, now it actually is green. Now it's both. There's green and they were anyway. Um, <laughs> so the Gnome King. In this book, he's named Ruggedo. And prior, he was named Roquat. Now, hmm. I mean, there were chapter titles about him with his name, so it seems really sloppy that he's now named Ruggedo. Yeah. How far apart were these two books? Not long. Like, this like, is, like this is 1915. And, okay. Yeah, and let's see, the prior book I read was uh, uh, 13. So Yeah, I, I have a feeling that these Oz books came out pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, so never mind that his name is different. Okay, at the end of Emerald City of Oz, the Gnome King 
and all the prominent gnomes, as, you know, as Second in Command uh, Calico and General Guff, they all drink from the waters of oblivion and have their identities shattered. They oh, have great. no memories and are innocent, and so they leave peacefully. Mm, so okay. I guess in the span of not very long, he just became an evil tyrant again. With a new name. With a new name. But yeah. Calico is still Calico and Guff is still Guff. Go figure. Hmm. So, yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. And there's other stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like, Oz is supposed to be invisible to outsiders. Right. But this, oh. book, this book reveals that the outside world is invisible to Ozians for whatever reason. So, uh, Betsy Bobbins comes from America. Are they in Oz or are they outside of Oz? The Gnome King's caverns typically are past the desert outside of Oz. In which case, the Shaggy Man and all the others from Oz shouldn't be able to see anything. Or they're in Oz, and Betsy Bobbin and her mule shouldn't be able to see anything. Yeah. Were these... I know somebody else took... Or other art, uh, other authors yeah, took yeah. up the mantle. Or are these I'm just doing by, the Baum ones. You're just doing the Baum ones. So yeah. it is the same author. Yep. Oh, boy. Never mind right. that I'm questioning whether this is an Oz or not, because at one point in the story, they fall through the center of the earth and end up on the other side of the planet. So that's yeah, definitely okay. not an Oz. Um, anyway, also, some of these books get crummy endings, too. Mm. You know that cliche, a wizard did it? <laughs> well, maybe it's from Oz books, because, man, a wizard always does it, you know, or, or a witch or sorcerer. Um, in this case, there is a fairy kingdom even more powerful than Oz on the other side of the earth. And uh, it's, um, it's a judge named TTT Huchu, um, maybe as powerful or more powerful than Glinda. So the stakes mm. are sort of off when you already know he's got the problem solved at that point in the storyline. Yeah. I mean, sort of not. I was, I was there for things. I mean, the gnomes made a good show of it until... Uh, until they enacted the the magic solves everything plan, but uh, yeah, it's kind of yeah, yeah. it's kind of making me think of two things. One, mm. that One Punch Man video game I was talking about, where if you choose to play as One Punch Man, then you just have to hold off the foe until he shows up and then it wins. Right, um, right. Well, at least you the, had to do something. Well, yeah. And then the other thing is when I was talking about last week about the the Avatar role playing game where. How do you handle being heroes in a world where there's already a superhero? Is it just doing things and then eventually, oh, here comes Aang. He'll finish it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, man. These There's there's highlights and lowlights in these books for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's still creative. There's still fun things. But uh, if you're looking for some story consistency, if you're looking <laughs> for some drama and stakes, they ain't dare. All right. Anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, on to Scarecrow of Oz. <laughs> Hooray! Scarecrow of Oz. All right, how see. How prominent was the Scarecrow in TikTok of Oz? He wasn't in it, which is funny, because he's in most of the books. Okay. Oh, by the way, at this point, he lives in a, um, in a mansion made to look like a giant corn cob. <laughs> it's a golden corn cob with decor of crow motifs all through it. Hmm. I wonder why a scarecrow would want to live in a place full of crows. Well, 
in Wizard of Oz, he breaks the necks of several crows. So Ooh. I guess maybe as a reminder of his sins. I don't know. He's more of a sleigh crow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, okay, so other stuff. Um, Steven Universe Future. Uh-huh. First of all, how on earth did I miss episode three, Rosebuds? You'd mentioned it, and we got to the end, and I thought, I didn't see that thing. So, yeah, Rosebuds is the episode where the uh, the Rose Quartz gems visit from outer space. Yeah. Yeah, pretty nice. Well, first of all, um, you know, I like me some quartzes, and uh, yep. these three Rose Quartzes, pretty sexy. Yeah. In fact, a lot of that ship is. It's, it's the... Uh, the zoo ship full of oh, the uh, right, humans. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The zoomans. <laughs> um, There's a part in that episode that it, you know, sometimes a little gag will just crack me up so much that I have to watch it over and over. And in this case, it was um, uh, Amethyst and some other Amethysts going through in a conga line. Yes. And just her reaction when she sees all the rose quartzes. Well, when she sees the one that's, mo- that, uh, Steve, that, that Steven's mom modeled herself after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because she's um, all having a good time. She's like, hey, Steven. Huh? And just the expression on her face as she's just staring at all these rose quartzes. I guess she forgets about it before the end. Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of forgetting about it, I was glad to see this because I did think by the end of the series and by the end of the movie, like, that those zoomins were an unresolved thing. Like, mm. okay, there's peace in the galaxy, but are these humans still living on this space station in a... Uh, like in a uh, curated habitat, still. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's what that's what Steven Universe Future is for, for resolving that stuff. Loose ends, I guess. Well, speaking of which, uh, no woman of mystery. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, it was pretty good. Um, so yes, we got to the end, um, and I think it was a fairly appropriate ending. Yeah. That uh, the climax, that a climax should be resolved by hugging it out seems pretty Steven Universe to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I noticed about that, though, when when the monster is rampaging, Garnet forms the battle plan and issues orders to the diamonds about what to do. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, nothing really comes of it. I guess it's just an interesting interesting thing for us. But yeah. I was thinking, like, of a scene where she might be asked to lead all the gems. Yeah. Where she, yeah. It, but I would think in those instances, if such an instance were to occur, she would uh, refuse it, saying that she rises to the occasion, and then she'd just go back to playing some meat-beat mania. Yeah. Well, ostensibly, she's the leader of the Crystal Gems. They say yes. that a few times in the course of Steven Universe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, even in position with the uh, rulers of the known galaxy. Yeah, true. Yeah, she kind of takes charge. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, anyway, overall, yeah, satisfied. Satisfied with that <laughs> ending. What do you, should we, can we spoil it? I don't know. Well, I'll say this. Um, when you were describing the end of My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, I said, oh, this is the same plot as the end of Steven Universe Future. Uh, kind of. Do you see what I mean? little bit, yeah, I guess. Like, where, you know, Steven's going away, and all the gems are like, okay, see ya. And he's like, why don't they care more? Oh, right. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, yeah. That, was kind of, that was kind of funny when they're they're putting on a brave face and he was <laughs> giving all those heartfelt gifts. Uh, Pearl, I'd like you to have my ukulele, and she just shoves it in her gym. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I seem to remember tears exploding from behind Garnet's sunglasses. Yes, yes. You know, um, the crying breakfast, the cartoon within. <laughs> yeah. I've read that's supposed to be like a self lampoon. Really? Yes. That mm. <laughs> that the show it, itself is full of lots of crying and, you know, it's difficult to parse <laughs> for <laughs> an outsider, I guess. Uh. When, when, yeah, instances where they talk about the apparent plot of the show uh, echo the Steven Universe plot I've heard. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I finished that. Good stuff. My completion Good. tour goes on. Um, Hooray. What do you got now? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I thought he knew Yasha, but uh, Viz announced that they were putting series up on YouTube. Okay. Which included Inuyasha. But guess what? Just the first three seasons. Like, ooh, are you kidding me? <laughs> I think there's nine of them. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, for on various services. I think it was on more than Netflix. Um, they only had two seasons. Two paltry seasons of Inuyasha. Now yeah, it's, it's gone up to three to keep pace with YouTube, I guess. Yeah. I, it was weird for me when, like, when I decided to watch The Legend of Korra and mm-hmm. Netflix has... All three seasons of The Last Airbender and the first season of Korra. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Bizarre. Yeah. Um, okay, I got one more note here, I guess. <laughs> um, so Jojo, the animation might be done for good. Who knows? Oh. But Jojo lands. The first chapter of the next uh, part of the manga is out. Ah. There, there was a lot of speculation about the setting. Uh, Scotland was one of them because uh, Araki had mentioned it once as being a setting he liked to go to. And uh, also they felt that going back to the UK would kind of bookend the series. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was New Guinea, uh, Italy, because he loves Italy, or hmm. the small town of Morio. Nope. Turns out it's Hawaii. Um, oh, okay. They're doing a Pokemon. Yeah. Um the main character is Jodio, um, and his stand is November Rain, <laughs> which is a weird-looking stand, because most of the uh, Jojo stands, as in Jojo the character, um, most of the time they're humanoid, and this one kind of is like a four-legged spider. Hmm. Um, also interesting... Surskit, I believe that Pokemon is called. <laughs> yes. Maybe this is Pokemon. <laughs> um, and... There is another Joestar in it. His older trans sister named Dragona. Huh. And her stand is Smooth Operator, which seems like an interesting one. It's one of those stands that's actually multiple figures. So it's lots of little robot guys with tank treads. And apparently their deal is they move things. However, Hmm. they don't seem to have a lot of rules about how they move things. So what I mean is... um, in this first chapter, they get harassed by some bad policemen. And uh, during their conflict, she has her smooth operator stand push the police officer's eyeballs until they reset to the back of his head. Oh, boy. So, yeah, pretty freaky. Yeah. Anyway, this one, um, this alternate universe one had a Johnny Joestar. star. 
had a Josuke, and now this appears to be a new character, but people feel that maybe it's uh, paralleling Giorno, who his 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 ambition was to be a gang star, hmm. and this Jojo apparently his ambition is to get really rich. So oh, all right. they're thinking maybe it's the same thing. Anyway, anyway, hmm. it's out. So, so yeah, the, the, I guess that's my my last bit of news. Okay. Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, transition. Speaking of weird stories from Japan. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, you gave me, like you said, forgotten or disliked or unliked or just what. Um, and you I'm gave sh- me something called monkey magic. I'm sure it didn't ring a bell when you looked at it. Uh, not immediately. Oh, really? Okay. Um, well, well, no. Okay. The cartoon itself. No. Okay. However, there's a lot of things about it that seem like they should be familiar from other places. Okay. Okay. Well, let, I'll, we'll talk about it later. Let me explain what it is. Um, you gave me the first episode, which is called Enter Stone Monkey, which is pretty good because that means I get to explain everything. Uh, without having to explain things that happened before. Right. All right, so here's how it starts. There's a villain whose name I didn't catch at this point. I find that when multiple characters all say something at once, it's hard to understand them. Right. Wikipedia says that this character is named Dearth Void, which Hmm. is actually a really cool name. Yeah. Uh, And he's the Lord of the Underworld. So he says, he explains to his minions and to us that... There are two forces in the world. There's the good avatar, I mean, guardian, who controls the world and him, Dearth Void, who rules the netherworld. But he wants to rule everything. And to do so, he wants to rid the world of the guardian. Even now, the guardian's teachings are being forgotten and the world is becoming more evil. Now, he knows that a new being is going to come down from the sky soon. And Lord What's-His-Name here is pretty sure that the Guardian is sending this being. And so he directs a bat minion to guide this new person towards evil. Hmm. The bat guy is sent to Earth, where people are watching a star that is growing closer every day, and they're worried about it. So next, we go to the Celestial Heavens, where there's a series of people all watching a meteor through a telescope. They, I guess, abruptly decide that this meteor that's been growing closer every day is going to smash them and they debate how to deal with it in the few seconds they have before it (laughs) misses and heads to earth the meteor lands like an obelisk near the colony of monkeys and as they investigate it breaks open to reveal ang and apa frozen inside or it could be a monkey it's this is 480p on youtube so it's hard to tell but i (laughs) think it's a monkey okay It's probably a monkey, since this show is from seven years before The Last Airbender, which is why I looked up when The Last Airbender came out. All right. So, yeah, head Earthbender monkey here decides that the best way to deal with the new monkey is to punch it. But it also turns out that this new monkey is invincible. So the head monkey kicks him out and more monkeys also exile him. And that's when the bat shows up to goad the space monkey into exacting revenge, which the bat demonstrates by beating up a spider. So, space monkey returns and smashes head monkey with a boulder. Uh, 
Fast forward a bit, because now humans are building a dam. And this space monkey, who I guess is named Stone Monkey, mm. shows up with his tribe to run the humans off. And I guess he has a girlfriend now, and she kind of wants mercy, but S&M wants Flower Fruit Mountain absolutely devoid <laughs> of humans. And this seems to have been the bat's plan, bending Stone Monkey toward evil. Oh, and speaking of which, uh, as the humans are running away from the uh, 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 monkeys, the bat stops them, and he's holding a torch. And the humans get the great idea that the solution to their monkey problem is fire. He's a very persuasive bat. Yeah, I didn't realize he was pointing at the torch. It just looked like he was holding up a torch and pointing at his head. Oh, okay. And then the humans were like, oh, great. And then they all get torches. I was yeah. like, oh. Burn down the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's what they do. Hmm. Um, but Stone Monkey won't retreat. He breaks the dam, putting out the fire in the with the ensuing mudslide. And the rock song that plays during this sequence <laughs> ensures that everybody knows that this is Sonic the Hedgehog with monkeys. I was going to say, can you tell this is a 90s cartoon? Oh, man. Also, the computer animated heavens. Holy smoke. <laughs> Every shot in this cartoon starts with a panning shot, usually up and down, but sometimes side sure. to side, of a computer animated palace, mountain, yeah. something. Just they, wow. They really want to show you the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1998. Hmm. Now, Amy Rose Monkey, whose name I guess is Fania, wants the violence to end, but the a-hole hero monkey yells at her to show him some respect and call him king. And I'm not really knocking him for being a jerk here, because obviously this is the plot. You know, he's yeah. being twisted towards the villain's evil aims, and he needs to go through his Adora redemption arc. Yeah, okay. So, now King urges his monkeys to stick together, use their heads, work together as a family— and this is all good advice. Mm-hmm. Fania seems to have an objection, but King Sonic shuts her down. Hmm. All right. So now we go back to the Celestial Heavens. There's a kid named Prince Nata, and he's training with the great hero Lord Refang, so they can introduce their names. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, the, oh, these are two of the people who were watching the meteor earlier. But yeah. now that the meteor has missed them and crashed into the earth that they're, I guess, supposed to be watching over, they don't care anymore, and they're just training. Because it's a Japanese cartoon and training is what you do. Hmm. Uh, they're blown past by two little Chinese stereotypes on clouds. These are... <laughs> yeah. these Mile are Sight and Long Ear or something? Mile Sight and Sonic Mate. Sonic Mate, okay, yeah. Here's a fun fact. Yeah. In Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic's best mate is named Miles. Whoa! Holy crap! I can Actually, see your uh, your pinned diagram here of Sonic characters <laughs> and Avatar. <laughs> Actually, it's because Mile Sight can see really well and Sonic Mate can hear really well. Yeah, and the two of them were on a spying mission to Earth. They report to, I guess, the Jade Emperor. Mm -hmm. They they're not, you know, they're they're weirdly obvious about introducing some characters' names and completely neglect to introduce other characters' names. Mm. It's kind of weird. Anyway. So they report to the Jade Emperor that the Meteor Monkey has become the leader of the monkeys, and he has great military skill, as evidenced by the North Korean military parade the monkeys are currently <laughs> exhibiting while hailing their king. They explain, oh boy, they explain that since the humans are destroying the monkeys' environment, the monkeys are fighting back, and the Jade Emperor and Rethang 
thinks that this isn't fair to the humans. And I think these guys can go jump in a lake. Stupid gods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gods must be crazy. Hmm. So now this exchange is weird. When I first when I first wrote my notes here, here's what I wrote. Mm-hmm. So there's this weird nonsensical exchange where they clearly didn't understand what the Japanese dialogue was trying to convey, where Rifang wants to go intervene. Prime Minister Fujin thinks it's his duty to go, but Prince Nara thinks this is a dishonor to Fujin and intends to go himself. Mm-hmm. And what I realized afterwards is this actually aired in America before it aired in Japan. Hmm. So I, I'm not really sure how the dialogue got so messed up here. Hmm. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Before anyone can confirm or deny Nata's request, he summons his rocket Segway carpet and skateboards mm. down to earth to electric guitar music like the coolest poochie in China. <laughs> yeah, okay. In the monkey territory, Nata easily dispatches monkey guards and claims that he's come to fight King. Now, King, you recall, was previously invulnerable to all the monkeys' attacks, but Nata's not a monkey, he's a god, and he mm. bodies King. To the point that King actually surrenders. Oh boy. Nada explains that only the strongest and most clever will rule the world, and that means humans. So eat on it, you inferiors. <laughs> Don't yeah. mess with humans or their property, which I guess includes the monkey's mountain. Mm-hmm. A monkey can't be king. Um, I can't help but feel that um, the monkey's already overpowered and outsmarted the humans earlier. Right. If it's a survival of the fittest, monkeys win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he's a space monkey, but anyway. Right. Anyway, not a wiggity <laughs> wiggity's out on his rocket skateboard again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Later, the former, I guess, King Stone Monkey is tantruming, smashing rocks with his head. Fania tries to make him feel better by delivering fruit and showing him how the humans have retreated to the foothills and everything has been peaceful. But Stone Monkey's still mad about losing. He gives his title of king to the previous head monkey, whose name is Wowzer, <laughs> and storms off. While he is bathing, the bat from earlier tells him not to give up and implies that he can beat a god if he had divine powers too. Well, Stone Monkey now bullies the bat for more information, because apparently this wasn't part of Dearth Void's plan, I guess. Mm. So there's a priest named Subodai. Yeah. And he has such divine powers. He lives on Hosin Mountain, far to the south. And so Stone Monkey leaves the tribe of monkeys to head out on his long journey. In the Celestial Heavens, Prince Nata is praised for restoring order on Earth, which in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers logic means this one small community. Right. <laughs> and Stone Monkey travels long and far to a rockin' soundtrack, vowing not to return until he can defeat any foe with one punch. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love this Monkey Magic theme song. I don't know all the words because <laughs> I can't discern them, but you don't need to know them. You just need to know, Monkey Magic, come on, monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I ironically like it, but maybe I just like it like it if I listen to it every time. <laughs> yeah. So this thing. Yeah. Uh, it is an adaptation of 
a 16th century Chinese novel called Journey to the West, mm -hmm. which every Asian piece of media that has monkeys even remotely connected to it is based on. You know what? In my experience. I, yeah, I was thinking that this probably, in terms of adaptations to, you know, various media, video games, movies, etc., it's probably been adapted many more times than Robin Hood. Oh, man. There's so many adaptations of Journey to the West. Yeah, like uh, the I believe the 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 main character in uh, Journey to the West is named Goku, if that gives you an yep. idea. Um, yeah, a, a monkey from outer space that came down in a stone, I'll say in quotes. Yeah. And uh, that's Goku. Yeah. 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 And needs to train and train and train. Actually, um, so he gets a, another name when he completes his training. Mm -hmm. um, and in this cartoon, they say Congo, which is kind of lame, I think. I thought Stone yeah. Monkey seems cooler. Yeah. Um, my bet is that it's probably supposed to be Goku, except <laughs> you can't name your main character Goku in a cartoon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Monkey Ball is based on Journey to the West if you look hard enough. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, so the look of the show... Yeah. You know, I'm comparing it to Sonic the Hedgehog, but really, I'm seeing here that Sunsoft produced a video game for the PlayStation based on this cartoon. And that sounds about right. Hmm. I mean, this looks like a Super NES game <laughs> in terms of character designs. Well, you know, well, sure. Well, is that a bad thing? <laughs> no, That's it's one just... thing I really like in the show. I like the character designs and they're kind of like, they're kind of newspaper funny kind of like character designs. Yeah, definitely like, not anime style. No, this is like maybe five degrees away from Garfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, especially the humans, I think. Yeah, uh, like I really thought this was going to be Chinese when I first started watching it. Oh, um, with yeah, all the computer it wasn't very animation Japanese and looking. stuff. It, but uh, no, yeah. apparently, I guess it's like, I really don't, do you know much about the background of this? Because I'm looking at it like it's, it aired... In the United States, uh, like I said, in late 1998, and then aired in Japan in late 1999 and early 2000. You know, I really don't. The documentation just isn't out there for this, as yeah. near as I can tell. This is this is just an unpopular cartoon. It was one season and done. Um, it's so I mean, weird. Yeah. Okay. For the visual style, there's one thing. Usually I hate, and I don't really love it here either, mm -hmm. um, that it's got that feathered shading where it's clear that it was selected and then the selection was feathered so that it has a soft shading look. They did it in dust, and I've brought it up several times on this podcast. It looks kind of weird and not great. You um, mean dust in Elysian Tail? Yeah, that's the, the big Boy, thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, man, when I saw that bat... I was oh, like, yes. I think I know where the guy who made dust got pretty much everything from. Well, he'd be the other guy who likes this show then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a um, great game, so good company. No, I like I like Journey to the West. I like Sun Wukong or Goku or whatever you want to call him, the Monkey mm -hmm, King. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I really like him in this cartoon. I think he looks pretty cool, and um, I love what an unrepentant jerk he is in here. You know, yeah. like, thanks for the advice, punch, punch, squash, you know. Yeah. And he just remains it throughout the, you know... Uh, 13 episodes, I guess, there are of the series. <laughs> um, do you know much about Journey to the West? 
not really. It's funny. This this series uh, cancels just as it kind of begins. Like this <laughs> is all the monkey's backstory. Um, at one point, he's enslaved to a priest who's traveling to go get the uh, Buddhist scrolls from India. Uh-huh. Um, and he's he's put a uh, a torque or diadem on on the monkey, right? Uh, which the monkey thinks is pretty fashionable, but actually it's like a uh, a heavenly torture device so that he can say a command word and put him in excruciating pain whenever he acts out. Great. And boy, it doesn't stop him from acting out. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the base story of Sun Wukong is pretty hilarious. Just the amount of times that he's trusted to do things and he, he makes people regret it. You know, like uh, there's a uh, a goddess who has peaches that give you eternal life. Okay. Or at least extended life, right? It's it's like ambrosia for the Greeks or uh, Iden's apples from Norse mythology. Um just peaches here. And and she appoints uh, the monkey king, you know, like, I need these peaches for this festival where all we got, all of us gods are going to eat the peaches. So it's really important. Don't let a single one of them go, right? Yeah. So what does, don't, what does the monkey king do? He eats as many as he can so that his <laughs> lifespan extends to millions of years. <laughs> Great. That's just the way he is. Every opportunity. I don't know what it is. There's like... Um, it seems like a lot of Chinese mythological heroes are this way. They're just jerks. Stone Monkey's a terrible jerk. And Prince Nada, in this case, he's a Neja. I, I mentioned him before. Uh, I watched a, uh, a Chinese movie called Neja. He's that uh, boy who was born with both good and evil energy in him. Okay. And he's, he's, he's a very recognizable god because he uh, flies around on fiery wheels attached to his feet. Okay. In this case, they made it his weird little... Uh, uh, space uh, skateboard. Yeah. But but uh, I, I think just a pair of wheels is weirder and cooler. Um, yeah. But <laughs> but he himself is kind of a jerko god, so... Yeah. I don't know what it is. They, um, by the way, I don't think I mentioned it back then, but one thing I thought was very charming about uh, the god Nasia is that uh, uh, a lot of these gods get new uh, modern contexts. So... His domain has increased to um, being the protector of motorists and people who drive for a living. <laughs> so, like, delivery people and such can count on Nasia to protect them. Right, like, right That's right. kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But anyway, this thing, yeah, cute characters uh, for me, an enjoyable jerk of a main character. <laughs> I, you know, I, I made fun of it a lot in my little... Um, recap of it oh there's a lot to make fun of yeah and the thing is like i just you know i kind of had a good time making fun of it in a weird way like it wasn't sure it's not the kind of cartoon that you just utterly dislike like um you know like i got real bored and annoyed with uh samurai rabbit in that first episode and i was like oh i can't do this this one i was willing to watch all the way through just because of how ridiculous it was Sure. It also doesn't look really like anything else. I mean, except no. for except for Super NES games from 1993. Um, okay. So, yeah, there, I mean, there is... I'm not going to say it's particularly good, but it is actually kind of fun to watch in a weird way. Yes, yeah. I think if people give this a chance and they end on him, like, on that raft trying to go find the thing, find the, uh, the priest, Yeah. then if they watch the next episode, they can, you know, see him acquire new powers and, boy... 
There's something so satisfying about watching monkeys give it to humans and then give it to gods, <laughs> which you get in this show. So, Cool, cool, cool. I mean, it's also got total religious connotations, right? Because the guardian is really the Buddha, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. So, hmm. Okay, I got some other things here. Um, okay, yeah, go ahead. Some of the voice work. I, I dump on Vancouver's voice work scene a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But they're okay here. They're serviceable. Uh, Sam Vincent is Stone Monkey. He's also Martin Mystery, if you know that show. Um, he's mm. Double D in Ed, Ed, and Eddie. <laughs> and he's Bugs, Daffy, and Tweety in Baby Looney Tunes. Oh, boy. Yeah. Andrew Francis is Prince Nada. And Shining Armor in My Little Pony. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you want another My Little Pony connection. Kathleen Barr is Fania. And Trixie the Great and Powerful. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Some interesting okay. voices. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I can dig that. That's pretty cool. Hmm. Huh. All right. Um, where do we go from here? Um, in well, some ways, in some ways, this cartoon was a bit of a mess. And uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently my instructions to you last week were kind of a mess. Uh, were they? I think watching- so. I'm watching Moosel's Monster. Is that correct? Well, yes. Um, but I... Did you have any trouble with that? No, I found it. Because I did. Really? Yeah. No, I, there's lots of it out there. I well, found multiple versions. I, but is it complete? Because... So, here, to full disclosure here, I gave it to you blind. I just went, I yeah. want to give him Wuzzles. And I went to an episode list and I picked out one. I was like, oh, Moosel. Let's do yeah. that one. And then when I went to watch it, it was like five minutes long. It's not five minutes long. Well, it, I it, like it's I like clicked 20 on minutes. I cl- OK, good. So then the, the version that yeah. I saw was just off. I was clicking on it because I, I didn't yeah. I didn't watch it because I was like, oh, no, is this only? Oh, no. Is this show supposed to be like, is it like three th- third episodes and I've messed up? No, 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 no. That it's appara- all good. Apparently it's the source I saw was bad. So go ahead. Well, let's explain what this thing is. It's Wuzzles. So you've mentioned this, I think, like four times on this podcast. <laughs> it's the, uh, it was a concurrent release with Gummy Bears. Uh, Disney was venturing into television to get a piece of that pie. So they put out Gummy Bears and they put out Wuzzles. Woo- or Wuzzles, rather. Wuzzles is, um, the premise is that there's a land where all the creatures are hybridized. You know, like in Avatar, The Last Airbender. <laughs> Um, I did not even think of that. Think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so for example, the characters include, let me look at my list here. There's uh, Bumble Lion, who is a lion and bee. Butter Bear, who is a bear and, well, a butterfly, supposedly. Um, there is Elaru, an elephant and kangaroo. Moosel, the main character of this story, who is part moose and part seal. Hopopotamus, mostly hippo, but with rabbit ears. And uh, Rhinoki, a monkey, and rhino. Hmm. So you get the premise. There's, you know, they're hybrid, hybrid beasts. Also, they kind of have like wings on their back, all of them. Yeah. Anyway, so I guess there's kind of like a fairy thing going on. Um, all right. And they all live on, I think it's an island. It's at the very least this bunch of hills. Um. So it's like a magical land where everything is hybridized. 
Yeah. I think it might be called the land of was. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is Musel's monster we're looking at and it's directed by Fred Wolf, you know, of Murakami Wolf and Swenson who did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and so on. <laughs> he directed a bunch of those episodes. He directed a bunch of these episodes. That's in 1985. All right, so it begins, and it's Appleberry time again in the good old land of Wuzz. Uh, so all the Wuzzles are picking the Appleberries. The particulars of how they pick reveal their characters. See, Rhino Key is a trickster, and uh, Elleru is powerful enough to suck all the berries off a tree and then expel them out of his trunk and into the baskets of Bumbleline and Butterbear. Gross. <laughs> I wonder if the snotberries taste like snotberries. <laughs> um, Moosel, the moose and seal hybrid, can't focus on picking berries because he sees monsters everywhere he looks. Uh, every sound and even the clouds are monsters. Even Shaggy, I mean Norville, would tell him to chill out. There's my joke about Norville. Oh, um, okay. Uh, so in his panic, uh, Moosel runs around and gets his friends squashed in sticky appleberries. All of Moosel's friends chastise him for having an overactive imagination. They make him leave, but he gets spooked by an imagined stream water source. And his retreat from that causes a boulder to tumble downhill, harm some of the other wuzzles, and cause damage to the dam. Oh, just man. The dam. Yeah. Same kind of plot as Smurfs. So, logistically, I'm wondering if the also, dam is... Also the same kind of plot as Monkey Magic. True. True. That's a nice coincidence. Um, yeah, I was wondering if this dam is the same source from the stream? Hmm. hmm. I need to see a map of this uh, land of was now. Yeah, right. Just uh, uh, back the Wuzzles role-playing game Kickstarter and they'll give you a nice cloth <laughs> map. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Well, anyway, I, so got, I got a is... cloth map of uh, Avatar World. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, later at his island home, Musil resolves to no longer let his imagination get the better of him. Uh, just after he throws out his monster manuals, uh, <laughs> Butterbear visits to broker peace by giving him an appleberry pie. She leaves, and while he's saying his goodbye, a giant clawed hand steals the pie from the windowsill. There's a big monster! Fitting to the setting, it's a dinosaur crossed with an eel, so the narrator says. Musil <laughs> um, disbelieves his lying eyes, even when he sees the monster again while he takes a swim. He's convinced all this is imaginary, and so he's not even afraid while standing in the monster's mouth. And, you know, while he's there, he notices a throbbing fang and offers to pull the imaginary bad tooth from the imaginary monster. And I had visions of where it was going, and it kind of scared me. Hmm. Ooh, this is going to be nasty. So, um, meanwhile, the other woozles notice that the dam is cracking. Remember the damage that was done to it earlier? Right. Uh, there's some interesting details here. First, I love the uh, squishy sound effects from when Elleru is rummaging around in his marsupial pouch. <laughs> um, Rhino Key's car is pretty quaint. It's kind of weird that he has one, for that matter. <laughs> um and a weird detail, this is just flat out weird, that I noticed about Bumble Lion's hive house, he's got a, he's got a house shaped like a hive, mm -hmm. um, is that the front steps are a sports metal podium with first, second, and third place steps. Mm -hmm. That's kind of weird. I think, so, 
I'm again, I didn't actually get to watch this episode because I thought I found a bad source. So I'm living vicariously through your explanation of it. But I do kind of remember that I think Bumble Lion was like the competitive one, like the one who liked sports and stuff. Hmm. That makes sense, I guess. Um, so the Wuzzles make some pathetic attempts to plug the leaks, and then they decide that they'll need logs to reinforce them. Luckily, there's some beaver coons felling some trees nearby. <laughs> that brings up something, actually. I was complaining about settings where people don't have individual names. They're just named after their species, like oh. Pokemon. or Yeah, apparently that's the way it is here. I guess there's probably another moosel somewhere. Mm. Um, so anyway, the group, the group brother, will uh, need some rope in order to haul those logs. Rhino Key will have to drive to the storehouse and back with the rope. Guess who's using that rope, though? Moosel ties it to the monster's aching tooth and sends the big spool rolling in order to yank the tooth out. It doesn't work, but he has a second attempt where he ties the rope to a tree. And even though it doesn't work as expected, in this case, the monster pulls and he uproots the tree, but the tree smacks him in the face and knocks his tooth out. Yeah, good. Yeah. Anyway, Rhino Key witnesses all of this and runs, or drives, I guess, back to blather about the monster. The others don't believe him until the monster shows up. Although quite relieved of its pain, the monster easily does them a solid by plugging the space in front of the dam by tearing a mountaintop off and throwing it just before the dam point down. So Musul has made a new friend. Uh, That monster takes off back to the ocean. And (laughs) Musul hauls the giant tooth before his friends. Um, Not entirely drawn realistically, I think. I think the roots should be longer, but still pretty grisly looking. Mm. Uh, And he embellishes the tail to them. So it seems like not much has changed, and that drives all the non-moosels to an end of episode laughing fit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um... All right. So first off, I got to say, it's got that TMS animation, silky smooth. Oh, nice. It only dates it in the sense that it's from this era, but man, this would look great anytime. Um, so that was good. That was good. Good, good, good. Yeah. It casts a bad light on other series that come much later, like Aladdin, where all the episodes look like crap. Yeah. <laughs> I miss I miss stuff that looks like this. Um, yeah, like when we watched those Rescue Rangers, I was yes. I was shocked at that. Yeah, uh, Cattery's not included. Yeah, early uh, Tiny Toons or Animaniacs as well. Mm. Just gorgeous. Um, uh, let's see. As for the actual characters, um, I have thoughts on their designs. I feel that sometimes their hybridization is not very even. Yeah, like Bumble Lion. I feel that the lion part is doing all the heavy lifting. (laughs) He's got a striped chest and a couple antennae. But otherwise, he's basically a lion. I think, am I wrong that all of them had antennae? Or am I thinking of the wings? Wings. They've all got wings. Okay. Um, By the way, he's voiced by Brian Cummings. Um, There's Butterbear. And uh, speaking of heavy lifting, Butterbear is mostly bear. And she has a couple flowers for antennae. Hmm. And she has butterfly wings, but I don't know that they count that much when they all have kind of 
other wings on their back. So, yeah. yeah. But interestingly, she's voiced by Kathleen Helpy Shipley. The uh, the woman who co-ran Looney Tunes into the ground with Frizz Freeling. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, you got Elleroo, who's half elephant and half kangaroo. And even though his, his face is all elephant, but I feel they uh, they represented both parts pretty well here. Okay, good. Yeah. He's voiced by Henry Gibson, the Illinois Nazi from the Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Moosel, the main character, he's half moose and half seal. I really kind of just see a seal with moose antlers. Yeah. Uh, but, oh, you know what they could have done? Is they should have given him a dewlap. That hilarious nose lip thing. Oh, huh. Yeah. Um, missed opportunity. I oh, do, however... The, the, I, think, I think Monkey Magic stole them all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the big filtrums. <laughs> um, uh, I do like that, you know, like a mermaid out of water, he doesn't have proper legs. Yeah. So it's just his his uh, flipper fin inching along the, the ground. I do think that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. Hopopotamus is mostly hippo, but she's got rabbit ears, and I think I like her design the most. All right. Partly because of the blue-purple palette. Yeah. Um, she's voiced by Joanne Worley, who is also the armoire for Beauty and the Beast. Big call-out! Um, and then Rhino Key is a monkey with a rhino horn. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you look closely, his legs are rhino legs, too. Yeah. But his animation is so monkey, they don't really play as them. Um, and do you know who voices that guy? Well, I do now because I just went to the Wikipedia page. Oh, did you? Go ahead. Yeah. Alan Oppenheimer. Yeah. Skeletor himself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a, like, all notable voices in this thing. Yeah, you did not mention who voiced Moosel. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, okay, That's that might be a big point here. Uh, Bill Scott, who voiced Toadwort... Uh, the little troll, um, uh, little ogre rather in gummy bears, but only for season one. Hmm. Yeah. Um, now I don't know if it's true, but I read that one of the considerations that got this show canceled was his untimely death. Yeah. I've heard that too. I, I think they would have just replaced him like Toadwort, but if the show was popular. That's true. Yeah. And I mean, they did. Well, he was also, um, am I thinking of the right guy here? Um, yeah. So Bill Scott was the voice of Bullwinkle. Hmm. So there's a, another moose. Ah, yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure he was also the original voice of Gruffy. Gruffy Gummy. Yeah. Yeah. Fairly um, important gummy bear. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, I mean, they replaced his voice. So you're kind yeah. of right there. Like, I think it's neat that they got this famous moose guy to be their other moose. But it's also, like you said, did they cancel it because he died? Or... I don't think so. Yeah. I think that's the story. Um, yeah. I think this, I don't know. It's hard to judge off of one episode. Yeah. I kind of feel like this is a little thin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if this would have be better in a, in a regular setting, you know, so we could see them do uh, regular things, but highlighting their capabilities or ignorances or what have you. Yeah. You know what this show actually reminds me quite a bit of? 
it feels a lot like to me like the U.S. Acres segments from <laughs> Garfield and Friends. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. Although curiously, they decided to make most Gummy Bear episodes half episodes, and this was the full twenty-one minutes. <laughs> you think it would be the other way around, right? Yeah, yeah. Considering the Gummy Bears have like you know high adventure, and this is um, you know goofballs interacting and getting into trouble. Yeah. Um. Um. I. So I kind of liked the Wuzzles. I. Yeah. I wanted Moosel. I wanted the these these were plush toys. These were plush mm-hmm. toys, and I wanted Moosel. Moosel was the one I wanted. My brother somehow ended up with Bumble Lion, and I don't mm. know how he ended up with the Wuzzle he wanted, and I didn't end up with the one that I wanted. I I have no memory of how that went down. Boys, sorry, which one did you get? I didn't. Not at all. Okay. Yeah, which is, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I I don't remember why I didn't get one. Maybe I got something hmm. else. I don't know. I mean, it was 1985. I was, what, seven? I don't remember. He's looking kind of weird here. I'm yeah. looking at the toy. Um, yeah. I thought there were more toys than featured you know, in the cartoon. You know, me too, actually. I, there, there's a pig, I'm pretty sure. But I hope I'd hope to get on Pig Watch here. Well, let me see here. Let me see if I can find the legacy butterflies. Seen them now though. Uh, yeah, I see a lamb and an owl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's this like it looks like there's this whole second wave. Yeah. Like By I, the way, that's something I also enjoyed. There is the incidental background hybrids. Mm-hmm. There was like a, a dog bird. Um, there was. I think a trout gopher. Okay. He called it a trofer and it had a weird fish face. So I think it's a trout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm having trouble finding these toys, but, uh, oh, I'm seeing little images of them. Yeah. I, I just not a, ah, oh, well, whatever. I, I was kind of, Oh, right. And there were little plastic action figure versions of them too. Mm-hmm, forgot mm-hmm. about that. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm having trouble remembering whether, you know, there was a second wave that actually existed or if I just made up my own wuzzles. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, well, I don't know. Apparently There's an expanded there list a, yeah. a, a, from this cartoon anyway. Mm. I think if I had to have a similar sort of product, like if, if they're all in the same sphere from this era, I would have rather had a popple. Okay. Those are, uh, uh, critters that you roll in on themselves to turn them into sports balls soft squishy sports balls yeah 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 uh i know that my sister had a popple Hmm. pancake i believe the name was Hmm. um i wasn't completely devoid i had good luck bear (laughs) one of the best sure i think yeah um let's see thomas chase and steve rucker did the music for this Hmm. uh and i I had an inclination that they probably would have double dipped from this and gummy bears. You can really hear it if you're listening for it. Mm. Uh, yeah, this was, this was all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I have an affection for wuzzles. Just, I guess maybe there's something unrequited about, you know, how you never got to see very much of it. Cause it was only on for one season and mm. you know, there was the toy that I was lusting after and never got, so, so maybe it's just stuck in my mind. You've got a lot of good quotes in this one. Yeah. 
<laughs> I've got an affection for Wuzzles. <laughs> um, goad the space monkey. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I try. <laughs> um, and with that, uh, I guess it's time for next week. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I sort of reminded Micah just before we started recording that we didn't have a theme for next week. So oops, we just decided now, yeah, whatever. Um, well, I have a notion though. Yeah. All right. So Crawley animation in 1964 uh-huh. made a TV special, you right. know, Crawley animation, right? Uh, Canadian company made things like, uh, 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 uh oh, shoot. I got the name of this right. Uh, dang, dang. The Canadian Wizard of Oz cartoon. Hmm. Tales of the Wizard of Oz. Oh, that thing. Yeah, okay. Oh! Yes, yes. Oh, w- yes, wait, you yes. got more from them? Yeah, there's a TV special. Oh, now I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. It's Return to Oz. Ooh! Not... Not the Disney thing, no. but the 1964 television animated special. Ooh, this sounds yeah. like it could be fun. Uh, we'll see if their particular brand can uh, <laughs> power beyond three minutes. <laughs> hmm. Well, gosh, now I feel bad about what I picked for you. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. I oh, we're doing... We're doing uh, oh, okay. Okay, I thought... This thing's 50 minutes. Do you want to limit it to that or what? That's, that's fine. I'll go with it. Okay. Um, yeah, I, hmm, I decided that maybe now was the time and I feel bad about it now because I'm really looking forward to the thing you gave me, but, uh, (laughs) well, it's good to have a contrast. Yeah. Okay. Um, we've previously looked at two different episodes of the real Ghostbusters. Okay. And I think we need to have a contrast there. With the other Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. No, 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 this is cool. Filmation's Ghostbusters, yeah, I think, yeah, might yeah. be the official name of this thing. Um, and I just randomly, much like I did with Wuzzles, I just randomly picked a title that seemed interesting from the list of episodes. Uh, it's called Scareplane. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to this. All right. Good. With, uh... Boy, I'm I'm getting senile toward the end of this episode. So, <laughs> all right, well then let's end it. Um, oh, Spencer Tracy and Kong, I think. <laughs> all right, but Kong's not the gorilla. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> eh, monkeys. All right. Mm. Well, anyway, I guess let us know what you think. Um, do you do you have anything good? Uh, any? Hmm. Do you want to do you want to tell me about your thoughts on Avatar? Um, what else did I talk about? Um, did you like that Samurai Rabbit thing? Um, are you excited about calling the Super Mario Brothers to fix your sink? Uh, have you read Journey to the West? I don't know. <laughs> tweet whatever you want to me at AC Matsy. Yeah, uh, tweet me your favorite furry hybrids. Uh, I am at Drab Swatch, and, uh, ooh, it's to die for. Drizzled in milk chocolate are sumptuous layers of peanuts, caramel, nougat, and the celery stalker's slogan. You know, everyone else calls me king. Show some respect and stop calling me stone monkey, Fanya. Mm-hmm.